Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. Greetings, everyone. This is Mike Cleveland here with my wife, Jody. Hi, Jody. Hey. And we're glad to be coming to you from Washington State. We're with our good friend and partner in ministry today from across the ocean, Joss Gordon. So have to, uh, glad to have you with us today. How are you doing? Doing well, Mike and Jody. Lovely to be here with you. Mm. We're always glad to meet, and I think the this is the fourth time that we've met discussing Psalm 91. A lot has happened since we met. Um, even if we were, for instance, just one month into this, this is our fourth meeting. According to the World Calculator on Death, there have been 4,679,000 452 people who have died since we began our meetings. Um, Jody, we are discussing things that are a matter of life and death, aren't we? We are, and, um, and I think at this point too, the pandemic has been going on so long and lockdown and quarantine has been going on so long and there's so much fatigue. Um, that's how I'm sensing, in the beginning there was a lot of panic and now I just am, am encountering a lot of fatigue just people worn out of being cooped up, wanting to get back to work, wanting to, um, having financial worries compounded, businesses going out of um, business, and you know, just really struggling with um, their identity, uh, their security, their future, losing hope, you know, amidst the crisis. And it's, it is, it's very disturbing and um, disheartening to watch the difficult times come through, but we have a hope that is secure in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm looking forward to sharing with our audience today, with everyone today, just being able to rejoice in Jesus and to say there is hope and we don't need to despair. It doesn't matter how things look. God knows how things are. Amen. Amen. And Joss, you have sent some things over just about, they were really shocking to me. Um, for instance, one of the things that you sent over was that in the midst of the COVID-19 epidemic, it's become easier to buy alcohol than toilet paper or eggs. And that kind of speaks to the priority of people, doesn't it? It, it does. It, it's um, running for the, the comfort, uh, running for the, the, the satisfaction to get through the difficulties that um, Jody was saying. Um, um, yes, we've, we've had the difficulties of, of finding products uh, that, of, um, that we need day in, day out in our supermarkets. But somehow through this, through the, um, the struggles that we're going through, through the adversity, we're, we're slowly moving towards the things that are going to cause us harm uh, each day um, as we move into more unbelief I think I think um, I'm seeing that over here that uh, there's more hopelessness uh, more unbelief and and grabbing for things of the world that will give us quick comfort quick quick pleasure get through the day mm. 
And you mentioned speaking with an older man yesterday, and I'd like to, if you can, just to share that experience, because it really broke my heart as I heard you you talking about that and as I read it from what you sent over. Mm. Yes, uh, an elderly Christian man who uh, regularly sits outside um, a cafe and has um, and has uh, the delight of his days to meet with others outside of the cafe, um, and and he has an outward focus and draws people to into conversations. But meeting him in in a line in a cafe and where we have to put our feet on the on the cross of the ground and keep our social distance. Yesterday, um, he was saying how heartbroken he was that he's almost not coping. He's being overwhelmed by the loneliness of not being able to engage with people, and he he says he's not quite sure how he's going to get through this time. Yeah, this has become a real concern, um, and we're hearing it a lot in the in the news uh, here in the states too of just um, loneliness. Uh, the social isolation causing increased depression and um, just people um, so sad because they're all alone and now they're alone with their thoughts, you know, and those thoughts can go dark so fast um, when your job has been lost or you don't know how you're going to recover financially. You can't pay your rent. You can't pay your bills. It's just a lot of, um, and you have no way of mitigating. It's not like you could work harder, right? You're stuck. There is no job for you to go work harder at. It's, it's just sort of like this trapped in hopelessness. So God bless them. I understand how they can get so discouraged, right? One, one of the things that I thought about, Joss, is you were talking about that gentleman who was so lonely and especially I think for older people, it can really be hard. They've, they've lived a full life. He likes interaction with people and it becomes very difficult to experience this loneliness. One of the blessings, and of course in my job, which I used to have when I flew around <laughs> the world in airplanes, uh, I would go to hotels and I would be there by myself for upwards of sometimes four or five days. Um, and with very little interaction with human beings at all. And yet, I was sequestered away in the fellowship room. Mm. Um, meaning, you know, just the interaction, the fellowship with the Spirit of God uh, was so powerful uh, mm. when I was by myself. And then I think about the Apostle John, when he was an older man, mm -hmm. he was banished to the Isle of Patmos. Mm -hmm. And he was alone, and yet, what was he experiencing in that time? His, his heart, his mind was full of visions of the Lamb of God and of the Lion of the tribe of Judah who overcame. And, you know, and he was seeing the worship experience of heaven that was it's just about to happen. And he was just so full of the love of God because he was seeing yet again a lamb looking as if it had been slain. He yeah. saw the cross that Jesus died on, and, and so he gave a revelation of Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. I think that as we get older, um, even anyone who's alone right now can have the most wonderful, engaging experience if they have a Bible and the Spirit of God. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and that makes it so that I'm not alone. I've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm surrounded and enveloped and filled from the inside. So that's just a thought I had as we were talking about loneliness. Mm-hmm. It's an experience that anybody can have, no matter where they're at, no matter how alone they are. Um, and so we have uh, to begin our study. We've uh, come to the last four verses of Psalm 91, and we want to just give a reminder to people, and that is, in this psalm, it is a psalm that is pointing forward to the person and work of Jesus Christ, and so we dare not come to this psalm apart from Christ and say, oh, I'm going to apply the promises of God. If I dwell in the shelter of the Most High, then no harm will fall me, and no plague will come near me. And, well, wait a minute, we've removed Christ from that equation. Mm -hmm. And so we dare not do that. This psalm is, as Satan recognized, pointing forward to Jesus Christ. When Satan came to tempt Jesus, uh, he said, if you're the Son of God, then throw yourself off this cliff or off the temple or whatever, because after all, God promised you in Psalm 91 that no harm will befall you and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, yeah, the angels will catch you. So we're just wanting to make sure that we understand that this points forward to Jesus and to us in him. Yeah. And so we don't ever separate ourselves from Christ and try to interpret the scriptures. It's about him. It's for him and us in him. With that long introduction, <laughs> um, Jody, can you read verse 14? Uh, do you want to start with 13 or 14? Oh, did we? 13 is good. Sure. Okay. Um, you will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Okay. So again, this is the very reason why I gave that long introduction. Some people rip this verse out of context. And so they, in, in America here, we have churches that handle serpents and snakes because after all, it says that we will have authority over the serpent and the snakes. And, and, and so, no, that's not what we're supposed to do is pick up snakes and see if they'll bite us. Uh, and so what we see, what do we see in this, Joss? As you look at verse 13, what, what are you seeing in this? There's some powerful enemies there, isn't there? Lions and, and serpents. Um, immediately we, we, we think of um, the serpent in the Garden of Eden and um, the deceit that he was, gave to, to Eve to, to eat um, of the apple. And, and, um, and then we, we also remember that uh, it, it reminds us of who uh, our enemy is, that our enemy is, a, is the devil, the, the Satan, the evil one, um, who prowls like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to, de- to devour. Um, and uh, he, he's got many names that are given in the Bible, and dragon and serpents and uh, deceivers um, are, are all part of, of who he is. Um, but in Genesis, um, we, we are told that in uh, in chapter 3, verse 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise uh, his heel. So that interchange between the serpent and, and, and God telling us um, the background of, of this verse. Mm-hmm. 
That's exactly right. That's the background of this verse. Uh, this verse is a commentary on that verse. Uh, and when we come to 1 John, I believe it's 3 verse 9, it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Um, he would have authority over the serpent and the lion. Mm. Uh, he came to destroy Satan's work of tempting and accusing and everything he does. And of course, Colossians 2.15 says, talking about Jesus, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public spectacle of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, you might say, having triumphed over them through the cross. And so when we look at the cross, what we're seeing is the defeat of our greatest enemy, Satan. Mm -hmm. Jesus persevered all the way to Calvary. He went to the shedding of his blood. And up there on that cross, he was Lord of all, and he was destroying the enemy who had destroyed so many lives. And in so doing, he set us free from all of the work of Satan, from all of his accusations against us. Jossie has nothing with which he can say against you or I or any other believer. Isn't that right? I, I mean, um, we're told it, we, um, we trample underfoot. Um, my goodness, what a wonderful imagery is, is that, um, that, um, um, that the dangers of, of the lions, of the, of the enemies against us, is not jumping up at us, they're under the feet. And, and we know that um, that's what Jesus has done at the cross. He put it, the enemies under his feet. They were his footstool. And, um, and so uh, we know that uh, these are overcome and we can uh, know that the accusation of the evil one, as we go through our daily struggles with coronavirus, that we can uh, overcome them with the word of God and that, that they are powerful. They'll overcome the spiritual dangers that are around us. Yeah, I just uh, had a thought as you were talking there, really, that, you know, these enemies are very powerful, serpents and lions, and yet look out over every enemy we have. Jesus defeated them, even the last enemy of death, even the last one, every enemy we ever have. Jesus has defeated them and made us to be, to be more than conquerors mm -hmm. through him who loved us. When he was on the cross, he was shouting the victory cry. It says that he said in a loud voice, not in a soft, defeated voice, in a loud voice, it is finished. Mm -hmm. And he then was buried, but then he rose from the dead. And, you know, he, he rose triumphant as a conquering general. And he went back to heaven and taking all believers behind him in his triumphal procession. And he leads us now in victory. And I love this verse 13, because it shows that he, when he rose from the dead, he was given the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. And this is our conquering king, the one who laid his life down for us, but then rose up in victory. And that's what verse 13 of Psalm 91 is telling us, mm. that we have the victory in Christ because of the cross and the resurrection. We are more than conquerors in him. 
Uh, Joss, do you want to read verse 14 or do you have anything else to say about 13 or? Um, um, oh, uh, just recalls uh, Psalm 22 that um, Jesus was um, had the lines uh, open their jaws against him. Mm-hmm. They um, uh, they roared and they teared into into their prey, and he was made that prey for us, so that we would have the mouth of Satan closed for us. He closed and and uh, for us. So praise God. Amen. I think about Daniel right then. Uh, you know when he was in the lion's den. Um, Jody, what happened to the lions? <laughs> God shut the lions. <laughs> and that's a foreshadow of the cross it when is. he would forever shut the mouth of the lion. Mm-hmm. Amen. Good news. Amen. I'm going to read verse 14. Uh, verse 14 because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him, I will protect him because he knows my name. Mm. There's a, there's intimacy there that's mentioned, mm-hmm. protection, intimacy. He knows my name. When you know someone's name, you know their character. You, you know who they are. We, Jody and I know you, Joss. We, mm-hmm. uh, we, we've gotten to know you over, over time. So when somebody says your name, we know you know, who they're talking about and what you're made of and Mm. your heart and so forth. And, you know, there's an intimacy there that's um, spoken about in verse 14. Um, But again, we're pointing forward to Jesus. Because Jesus set his love on the Father, Mm. therefore I will save him. And so out he came on the third day from from the grave. Up from the grave he arose. I will set him securely on high. Jesus rose from the dead and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Because Jesus knows my name, it says, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. He has the name above every name. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Mm. Now, us in him, experience this as well don't we joss we, we do um all the joys of salvation um um i love the way they it says in this verse that i will deliver him i'll protect him not because um that we know what we're doing not because that we are lifting ourselves up in self-righteousness not because we're anything special but he says, because he, um, because um, we hold fast to him in love, because um, he knows our name. That's, and and I think of the verse. Um, uh, it's because we're sinners. <laughs> it's because we were sinners that he died for us, that he saved us. Um, for one who scarcely die for a righteous person, perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die. But God shows us his love in that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, because he knows our name, because we know his name, we know him. And, and our salvation, we called out his name, Jesus, Jesus, would you come and save me. He, um, my, 
my sins are covered by your blood. And, and that's how we got to know his name that is so special to us. And, and he knows our name now, which he's changed to beloved. We see that in the Bible. We are known by our name as beloved. And so a beautiful interchange of, um, of knowing someone through their name, through knowing someone not because of what we've done, but because of what we, we have done, <laughs> the sins that we have done. And he has taken it to the cross and he has poured his blood over it. So we are now in relationship in that intimacy um, that uh, he, has, he has given us for eternity. So very beautiful. Absolutely. In Jesus, I was just going to say, in Jesus, we've been rescued and protected eternally. Jesus perfectly loved the Father with his mind, body, spirit, soul, every part of him loved perfectly. And, and he never once denied his Father. He never once um, did not acknowledge in all his ways he lived perfectly and obediently. And we could never, this verse, by myself, in myself, I could never, I would never be rescued and protected if we were dependent on me loving God the way I should or me um, being always acknowledging God the way I should. But because I'm in Jesus, and I'm so glad you started that way, Mike, because, because we're in Jesus, we are rescued and protected, right? One of the things about this verse is, he will call upon me and I will answer him. So this is pointing forward to Jesus. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. There was one time when this was simply not true. Oh. Um, Joss, when was that time and how was it not true? Um, maybe uh, Jody could help us out with this one. Oh, sure. Well, I think you're talking about on the cross, right? Where right. where the Father turned His face away, where He He did not. Jesus cried, "My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me?" And and Jesus um, was totally forsaken temporarily, so that we never would be right. So there there was this this moment in time where this great exchange happened where um, Jesus took on all our sin, all our failings, all our faults, all the, the wrong that disqualified us from this rescue and this protection. He took that off of us and gave us all of his righteousness and all his goodness and everything that earned rescue and protection. And in that moment, we were saved. We were rescued and we are forever protected. And this is such good news, but it was only temporary. It was just momentary mm -hmm. for a purpose. Yeah. He will call upon me and I will answer him. And, and, and so it, God's answer to his son was in the resurrection. Yes. Right? Where he turned the back to his Amen. son. Yes. Where now... Because God turned away from his son and did not answer him and did not rescue him and left him there, hung up on the tree to die. Yes. He now rescues us. He hears us yeah. now. He rescues us. We call out to him. We, we come to him as sinful people saying, rescue me. Yes. I need to be taken up out of the pit of sin and have my feet set on a rock. He hears that. Mm -hmm. He, anyone listening right now, no matter what you've done, 
or no matter how deep you've gone in sin, no matter how many lines you've crossed, you right now can call out to God and say, rescue me, save me, lift me up out of this muck and mire that I'm in. And he hears that. And he will, he will answer you. What does it say? I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and I will even honor him. Mm -hmm. And so this is because of the cross. It's where God temporarily shut his ears to his own son so that he could hear you and, and actually rescue you. I love that to think about that because I'm, I'm one who needed rescuing. I had gone so far into sin and was so dark and, and was so deceived. And now I, I understand what has happened when I called out and called upon the name of the Lord and he took me to that cross and had me look up and see what was happening. See the blood Jesus was shedding for me to make atonement, to see the death Jesus was dying, to remove God's wrath, and to see how far Jesus sunk down to lift me up. And I now see what happened, that Jesus saves and Jesus rescues anyone. If you're hearing us today, the three of us, you can call upon the name of the Lord, and he will not turn a deaf ear to you. After all, he already did that to his own son, Mm -hmm. and he'll hear you now. Mm -hmm. Um, Joss, what else do you have on verse 15? Anything? If not, we can go to 16. Yeah, so beautiful. Um, um, I was just thinking when you were saying, no matter how many lines that we've passed, I just think I just had the view of the plow going through Jesus' back on on the flogging pole and, and the plow making deep furrows down his back and through those furrows that we have been given a healing, a, a redemption, a ransom through the sins and uh, and sicknesses and the coronavirus that has, has come upon us. He has taken that all into his body and that he has been raised um, through through after three days that we can be raised in him and we have been given new life it was just such a powerful image of seeing the the furrows on jesus's back wasn't it and uh, and and that the bones that were exposed it says in a, in another psalm spoke and and back to jesus they were so exposed and we we need not fear. We need not fear because he has taken the worst. and We have been given um, um, new life. He has lifted our head through his head being dropped at the cross and then he gave up his spirit. Praise God. Mm. Praise God is right. I think about those stripes on his back. If you ever start to fear, if you ever wonder if your body is so sick it's going to die, your body will. <laughs> but... Think about the furrows, as Josh said, the stripes on Jesus' back. They looked like the furrows of a farmer's field. Mm. When he was being beaten by a cat of nine tails, they were stripping the flesh from his back. And why? Because through his wounds, we are healed. Mm. And just believe that. Just go ahead and put faith in that. Look at Jesus. Look at his back. Look at his wounds. That is your healing. Mm. And so Jesus was striped. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised 
for our iniquities. And by his stripes, those long furrows that look like farmers feel, by his stripes, we are healed. He, he was put away from God the Father because of our sin so that we would be drawn near, drawn close, drawn in to God the Father through Jesus' payment of our sin. And uh, let's go on to verse 16. You want to read that, Jody? Okay. Um, let's see. It says, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. What do you think about that, Joss? Mm, with long life, the long life of eternal life that we've been given um, through um, the veil being um, torn into in Jesus' body at the cross, we have seen um, immortality in life being given to us. We were kept away from this that when we did not know Jesus, we were kept away from life. We were kept away from that vision through his body, um, through his mangled body on the cross, that we had no entrance into, the, into the, the Holy of Holies. We had no entrance to the mercy seat of God. Um, and through the veil being torn at the cross, we see through and we see into life eternal with, with our Father now. And he shows us our salvation, all the I wills of this voice, of this uh, wonderful psalm that I will deliver, I will save, I will be with you in the midst of trouble, not uh, sidetracking trouble, not uh, under trouble. He is with us in the midst of trouble and he shows us uh, uh, his salvation through the cross as we look to him. And through his through His spent body through the veil that has been um, torn in two we see that none of our sacrifices none of our self-righteousness none of the works that we have done um, count for nothing it is only his sacrifice the blood of his work um, that um, that counts for anything and this is the salvation that he has given us his one sacrifice for sin his one sacrifice that gave us eternal life Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful and powerful to to think about. I I think about the world today. Once a fountain of youth, they want to live forever. Uh, I remember years ago I was watching a person who had invented cloning, and the the phrase that he used was "eternal life through cloning." Um, everybody wants to live forever. But Joss, as you so clearly described right there, it's through the mangled body of Jesus on the cross that purchased our eternal life. Listen, if you're a believer, you will never die. Why is that? Because Jesus already did. Right. Jesus already took mm -hmm. your death, stood in your place, hung in your place, was sacrificed in your place paid the penalty of your sin, removed your guilt, took off your shame, set you free, and purchased your eternal life. With long life, you will be satisfied. Mm -hmm. Eternal life. You will never die. Uh, and it's so important to actually see this because it says, and I will let him see my salvation. This is critical that the eyes of our heart would be opened to be able to see Christ crucified and risen 
is our salvation. It's not us keeping God's law. We can't do it anyway. It's not us trying to become better people and then maybe someday we'll reach it. No. We simply see the sufferings of Jesus, the crucifixion that he endured on our behalf, and we accept and receive and place faith in what we see. With long life, I'll satisfy him, and I will let him see my salvation. Jody, what do you think about that? Well, I was just thinking um, as you were talking about, we've been talking uh, a good bit about salvation here, and I want to make the point that this salvation is not merely um, conversion, right? It's not just, not to, not to lessen that, that's significant, of course, but a lot of people tend to think about the cross as a one-time, you know, okay, I need to look to the cross, I need to believe in Jesus, and then move on, and and I don't, I, I, we miss um, a, a valuable point in understanding when we approach the cross of Christ or Christ at all in that way, because um, Hebrews 12 tells us, it says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I think um, a lot of people might be listening to us and they're like, oh yeah, I'm saved. And yeah, I'm glad Jesus saved me from my sins. And that's really great. But man, I'm sad. I'm depressed. My circumstances are hard. Or I'm afraid my, my family member is going to get sick and die. Or, you know, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to pay my bills and I'm going to lose my house. Or I'm really just so sick of the quarantine and I'm so tired of hearing about the coronavirus and I don't want to hear any more news. And, you know, there's just this weariness that can overtake us and this sadness. And they're like, I want to be saved from that. And I want to say that you can be saved from that, right? You are being saved. As you look to Jesus, you have been saved, amen? But you are being saved from your current discouragement, your current suffering, your current drama, whatever it is that you're weighed down with, you are being saved from it as you look to Jesus and consider him, remember his death, remember his resurrection, remember what he's done for you, your heart will be made light. It is a miraculous thing, but it is a true thing for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray and as we close, but before I do, Joss, have you got any final thoughts as we consider this passage? Such a beautiful passage, isn't it? it? It just gives us that view into eternal life, eternal hope, and, um, and, and constant comfort as we see Jesus in every verse. It's such a blessing to have gone through it with you. Thank you. It was a blessing to go through it with you, too, and I hope that we can continue on in the future as opportunities arise where we will get together again like this. We've received lots of comments from people. People's hearts were touched and they were appreciating uh, your ministry, Joss, being on with us. So we thank you too. Mm. Thank you. And I'll close now. And I just, I want to pray for people who have heard, but who can't see. Mm. And so I'm going to pray as Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, verse 18. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, yes. may be enlightened 
that is flooded with light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power is in us who believe. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.